ladies and gentlemen, this week and on top of that, just coming up for the rest of this month, I am pleased to announce that I'm going to be helping spreading the word for the great charity that is Servants for Sight, and it is going to be sponsored by my old alma mater back in high school, Eastside High School. So I just want to encourage everyone that's listening right now to follow Eastside Student Gov on Instagram. And on top of that, Servants for Sight on Instagram, because I'm going to be promoting that charity for the next few days to promote this awesome cause. Uh, you know, great people are running this charity. And on top of that, they're really trying to make a difference. So let's make a very positive impact for all these people that are greatly affected, um, for the people that are involved with this charity and the people that are going to be helped by this charity. And uh, let's go ahead and try to make a great difference. The weekend of the Experiences Vintage Market is finally among us as October 7th, aka tomorrow, is going down 12 to 6 p.m. Lawrence Road, Greenville in the beautiful Holland Park, Greenville. And guys, we have an awesome event coming to you live 12 to 6 p.m. On Lawrence Road, Greenville, Holland Park with 30 plus vendors selling everything from vintage clothing to maybe even vinyls to also jewelry. This is definitely the place for you. So come on out a little bit earlier if you want to. You can come out a little bit. Probably the best time to come is maybe maybe 10, 10 to 12 if you want to get there a little bit earlier. Um, but we're going to be out there for the entire day having a good time, having fun, and most importantly, just get to enjoy the weather. And on top of that, you probably just get to enjoy some good food. On top of that, some great football this weekend as well, in which we're going to be talking about in this episode of the podcast. So come on down, 12 to 6 p.m., Lawrence Road, Greenville, Holland Park. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And yes, I know it's been a hiatus of about a week for for a podcast that has been uploaded and is for good reason. I've had exams and on top of that, I just took my exam earlier today. And uh, yep, ladies and gentlemen, we are finally back and back with another episode of the College Football Friday series. And guys, let me tell you, when it comes to right now in in the in the landscape but we'll go ahead we'll go ahead and take a quick look at um at what happened last week even though i missed a little bit of the action usc escaped a very close fought game against colorado which colorado rallied late but uh, USC's offensive efforts were just too much overall. Utah fell and Oregon State rises up. And then, you know, for, for Georgia to escape 27-20 against Auburn, Kentucky rocks Florida. LSU fell, like, fell down in a shootout against Ole Miss. Notre Dame really, 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 really escaped a, escaped a very close call in Duke last week. I mean... Very interesting things happened last week and in, in the week before, even with, uh, you know, Ohio State, got to admit, I mean, they played a really, really heartfelt game, played really good and, and just came came up with a win late, uh, big for the Buckeyes. And, you know, I have been, I, I got to admit, I have been stirring a little bit of people the wrong way a little bit with, with some of the takes going on with when it comes to the schedule argument, when it comes to all the teams right now in the top four. And all I got to say about about this is I know schedules definitely vary when it comes to the type of competition that you play whether that's an inner conference opponent whether that's like maybe an outer conference opponent or maybe it's against a school that you don't really see get much recognition and they play to give the program money like for example like if Clemson played up against like UNLV 
or or anything like that, or like when you know when Texas probably plays against like Austin P. Just just to name a few of those teams. There's definitely concerns when there's different types of competition in in the conferences that you are a part of, and that's like one of the main talking points that that I said. And I mean, I've already made this clear. Like I'm a Clemson fan, but the one thing I'm not going to do is just go like, well, you know, I think Clemson's going to be super legit. We're going to the national championship this year. I know we're not. I'm being logistic. I'm not just going to say that just because we won our last game. I'm not going to say that we're going to be going too far. I'm not saying that at all. But when you look at some of the competition that some of these teams play, and I know that there's a lot of different, like in the in the top four, right now, this is one of the talking points that I got to say before breaking down the, these week's games. I definitely have a few. There's definitely a few problems with the rankings, including the number one spot in Georgia. Because right now, the way that Georgia has been playing, they don't look like a number one team. I mean, their past two opponents have been interconference opponents against South Carolina. Even though South Carolina might not have the best like record right now, they definitely still have an offensive threat. And they had a real threat to Georgia. And Georgia only won, you know, by 10. And then you look at how... You look at how Auburn just came in and nearly beat Georgia, in which I think, I mean, Auburn just got overwhelmed with how the offensive efforts of Carson Beck and, and Brock Bowers, obviously, but Auburn was was working. Auburn was working Georgia. And I know that I know that Texas might not have like I know that Texas might not have gone up against against like the, the creme de la creme when it comes to ranked teams, but they beat a, another ranked team. That's more. That's like another big ranked team in the top four right now, like like they've already beaten two ranked teams in the, in the in the terms of who's in the top four right now, and I know that Ohio State just beat Notre Dame, but I mean there's different concerns of of big of big like opponents that they have in their schedule. Like I know that Maryland is is a big test like in terms of like unranked matchups for Ohio State. But I'm like one of the biggest criticisms that I drew earlier, and I got into it with someone, was look at their look at their teams that they played against so far. Indiana, then they played against Western Kentucky, then they played against, they played against Youngstown State, and now they're gonna be and now they just beat Notre Dame in a close matchup. My biggest point for Ohio State, and you can even take a look at the track record, they struggle against outer conference opponents. They really do. Last time that they were in the national championship. They they lost to Alabama. Last time they played against Georgia, their kicker shanked. I'm just calling it what it is. I'm not saying I I I hate like just Ohio State or or like I just I do not really like them favorably because sometimes their schedule is not against some of the greatest teams. And some of the teams that become legit in that conference don't stay legit for too long. Like you always hear about maybe Michigan or well no no, no. Michigan Michigan has proven that they're getting the better of Ohio State. In the past few years, they've proven that for sure. And they kind of have the same problem too because in that, in, that, in that conference, it looks the same almost every year, in my opinion, because you really need to take a look at what that schedule looks like and, and, who that te- and what those teams like really look like in their schedule. I mean, the, the three big dogs in that whole, in that whole conference – is is either Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, and then when you look at teams, when you look at teams like, <laughs> when you, when you look at teams like, maybe even Wisconsin, Wisconsin, like let's say Wisconsin makes it back, right? 
that's one of the things that that is is rare for them. And even when they get up against some of these teams, they don't stay good for long. And I know that Maryland is looking good, but I'm just saying, like, right now, like, I'm just being for real. Like, some of the talking points that I have are some of these teams in the top four do not look like a clear cut. Like, I don't like I don't look at any of them and say, oh, well, you know, they're number one. Like, they're, they deserve to be the – like, they're going to be the national champions. I don't see that yet because the schedules haven't heated – like, haven't necessarily heated up to the fullest for all these teams yet. I mean, Georgia, like I said, they finally played two interconference opponents, and they nearly lost both of them. Like Michigan, even though even though they've been winning games and they've been beating interconference opponents, some of their programs that they're playing against are not the best at football, and their biggest matchups are later on in the year. And and what I'm trying to get at, and then also like I, I gotta admit one thing: Texas played great against Alabama. I'll admit that for sure. And then Florida State, and and they're kind of having the same thing too. Like they they finally played a few. Interconference opponents. Their last two games were interconference opponents in the ACC. They played up against Clemson, in which they nearly they nearly lost. And on top of that, they played against Boston College the week prior, and they nearly lost. So what I'm getting at is, right now in the top four, top five, no one looks too legit for me to go like, oh, you know what? They're probably going to be the national champion because they're not playing this type of these types of great competition. And I and I know that I know that there's definitely hit and miss with schedules about how conferences can be good and bad. I get that. There's been criticism about me liking Clemson and like the amount of competition we've had for years, for years. But when you hear this from other different conferences, like for this, it's like, dude, you have to look at their track record too. Sometimes they look at the number, but they don't look at who they actually play. And that's something that I find is crazy because like now, like now one of the biggest things that that I heard when I when I was debating a little bit with with a Ohio State guy, he said he said something along the likes of, "Well, look at look at who Maryland has been playing. Let's take a look at who Maryland's been playing. Let's take a look. Their first game, Towson. What is that? It sounds like a flag football team. Charlotte. Wow. Last time Charlotte was relevant was when Kemba Walker was there, in my opinion, because like when it comes to anything significant of Charlotte." Then they played against Virginia. Virginia's a little bit decent. Then Michigan State, but Michigan State has been horrible. But I and then and then I know that they beat Indiana. I'm not I'm not discrediting like Maryland and like their overall efficiency. Just the teams. I know what Maryland can bring to the table, and that, that's exactly one of the talking points I'm going to be talking about this week. They they are good. They are good. But I'm just saying, look at those teams. Look at them. They're not good. Like the teams that they play. You think Ta- you think Towson and Charlotte are legit? Like be real. That's almost half of your schedule against cupcake teams. You think they're legit? No. They're not legit. They- but that's what these team that's what that's what college football does. They go from making great games in the committee and then they do these games to give more money to the programs. And I get that. I 100% agree. I, I get it. I, I'm all for it. Well, not necessarily all for it, but when, when you go like, oh, well, look at the schedules. Look at who you guys play or look at this, look at that. I'm like, dude, every single top team has to play against a cupcake once a year. It has to happen. Alabama's done it. Georgia's done it. Clemson's done it. Everybody does it. It's true. But it's like, you can't just go like, oh, well, you know, that, that win against Towson, that was legit, yeah? No, it wasn't legit. Because it's just like, like, what does Towson even do? I don't even know where the heck that is. Like, 
that's like the one thing that I find so freaking funny is when is when some of these some of these debates go on schedules because I know that we get that I know that Clemson has gotten that a lot and I I I, I can see where they're coming from I completely understand. But look at these. They're not like it's just like look at these. Like for example, like you know, with with Michigan, like with Michigan. Here's the thing. Like they beat Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska really hasn't been that relevant in a long time. Then they played against East Carolina. Wow, incredible. UNLV, not the best either. Bowling Green, where the heck is that? Indiana, where is that? Never heard of it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've heard of it, but it's like, where's that at? You know. All I'm trying to get at is I know, and then I could look at our schedule, and yes, I'll say it with pride. We lost to Duke. I know. Duke beat us. I admit it. I'm not going to just freaking be over here and just and just freaking just deny it and just be com- in complete delusion and denial. All I'm saying is I know that we lost. I completely get it. But then we showed how good we were in, like, in some cases when we nearly beat Florida State. And I get it. I'm not going to be over here and cry. I know that I was frustrated with that play call, but it's like, it is what it is now. It sucks, but it is what it is. So it's just, it's just, it just sometimes blow my mind when, when like some of these guys like compare schedules. Cause like we could all, we could put, we could compare schedules all day, but, and I understand that these teams look good. Like the team that they, the teams that they play against in the conference look good. Like when you look at it, because then you have to look at some of the teams they play. Like, like, hang on, hang on. Let's take a look at. Let's take a look at them. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at who else. Like at who else they've played against. Like for like for Ohio State. One of the things that I talked about with Ohio State. First game, Indiana. Even though they won twenty three to three, looked shaky. I was at a concert and I, and they they looked a little bit shaky. And I was I was looking at it a little bit. Youngstown State. Where's that? Sounds like a flag football team. WKU. Western Kentucky. Even though that Ohio State won 63-10, where's WKU? <laughs> like, freaking, you know what I mean? Like, is like, have they ever done anything relevant in football? No, that's what I'm saying. It, like, <sighs> it's just such a funny thing. It's so funny, guys. Like, I, I just think that whenever we get hit with, whenever we hear that, we get, we get hit with, we get hit with, oh, wow, well, you know, this team looks great. This team looks great. And, you know, they're playing great teams. But it's like, okay, and then one of the other talking points is Wisconsin. Okay, well, let's take a look at who Wisconsin's played. Purdue. Last time Purdue was relevant was when they were playing, you know, when Drew Brees was in the NFL and when they played good in basketball. (laughs) For football, no. The Boilermakers have not done anything. Georgia Southern, wow. Buffalo, oh my goodness, so good. What I'm trying to get at is it's just like, okay, you you look at their efficiency, but look at the teams they play against. And I, I know it goes both ways. Like, we could take a look at who Clemson's going to play. Like, you want to do that? Fine. Let's do it right quick. Let's do Let's take a look at what Clemson's going to play against. Ooh, Wake Forest. Ooh, not good. Charleston Southern. I knew we, like, even then, I had a feeling we weren't going to play good, but somehow we played good. Florida Atlantic. Wow, we played good. <laughs> like, we could play this game all day long. I don't care. All I'm saying is that, in my opinion, for the top four, just based on who everyone's playing against right now, no one looks like a clear like a clear cut team yet. Because guess what? It's still kind of early on to the season. It's not necessarily like fully hitting like, like you know, like, like freaking like live or die. It's not necessarily coming to life and death yet. But for some teams right now, they're already out. They're already out of like a national a national title slash like conference title 
you know, contention talk. Like, they're not in those anymore, and I get that. Like, LSU's not in it anymore. You know, Clemson's not in it anymore. And and with that, man, like, like I said, right now, like, there's not really that many teams in the top four right now that I consider, like, as I've said, like, three or four times, I don't think that I look at anybody and just go, yeah, they're going to win the national title. I mean, because, like I said, it's going to get different when – and I think that next year when it brings in the new format, it's really going to be interesting to see all these different conferences finally crisscross applesauce and finally play different teams against – like have different teams from different con- – like different teams from different conferences finally playing each other. And then we finally get to stop – like stop here in the whole freaking nobody plays anybody bull crap because I know it happens for some schedules. But guess what? Unfortunately, as some of the fans – we don't play like we don't do this. We don't plan the schedule. We don't write these. We're not the committee. We're not these people showing up in glasses and suits and, and sit down and just go like, oh well, let's pl- let's get freaking Florida State to play play up against freaking I don't know like freaking Tulane or Tulsa or UTEP. Like <laughs> we don't do that. Oh yeah, let's get let's get Alabama to play up against Toledo. Like we don't do that, guys. Like we don't make the schedules. They should do something like that to make fan polls for what the schedules should be. So therefore, we can kind of we can kind of neutralize this stupid stupid argument that we hear all the freaking time. And it's different cuz I know that some of these teams, it all boils down to who these teams have played and who they've beat. And like what the competitions look like because some of these competitions like you can make a very clear-cut argument that you can take a look at whatever team that you're like whatever your favorite team whatever their conference is in this is a different caliber of competition when you play crisscross applesauce it's true because here's the thing can some of the rankings be dodgy absolutely i mean absolutely i i completely agree some of the some of the rankings can be freaking nonsense but at the end of the day it is what it is. Because guess what? We're not ranking them. People are. The committee is. The CFP. The whole thing. They're ranking them. Not us. We can't do jack about it. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. And one of the other one of the other things, too, uh, that I want to get about, like, finally, like, steering away from that, from that little tangent. Colorado, even though they, even though they lost to, to USC, they're not dead. You know, like I know, I know that kind of like in a way, like seeing seeing a little bit with what happened against Oregon, like and seeing how they were acting a little bit, like like according to like what the media has been saying, it was kind of interesting to see how Oregon handled that, and that just goes to show that with how Oregon handled things, they look a little bit more legit than USC, in my opinion, right now, um, and and like just for whoever deserves to be number one, I just think that, you know. <laughs> The logic sometimes of the rankings really astounds me. Like I know that USC barely beat Colorado, and like they and like should they have moved down? Probably, yeah, they probably should have. But at the same time, it's like Georgia escaped with a seven point win, and Kansas lost to. I mean, and and Kansas, who is ranked, got beaten by Texas. Like I feel like if Texas does not like, well, wait, no, no, hang on. If Texas beats Oklahoma, they deserve to move up. Like. Like, I don't get that. Like, I was about to say, if that doesn't, now, if that doesn't happen, then something's wrong. Because, 
like I said, I mean, I know, I know that, I know that there's always these talks about ranked opponents and whatnot. But here's the thing: it really all depends on who you play against and how their run of form is. Because I mean, you know, Missouri is ranked now, and freaking Kentucky just beat Florida, and now and now Kentucky's ranked. All I'm saying is, is that some of these, some of these teams that they play against, like later on in the season. It's night and day because you could play awesome one week, lights out, and then you play a really close game, and then you really have to see what their run of form is for the game that they're about to play. That's how it all goes down. But anyways, enough of this little tangent. Let's go ahead and get into the week six breakdown. So what I was just talking about a few minutes ago, Maryland versus Ohio State. So in terms of uh, in terms of a big matchup for Ohio State right now in their like in their conference right now, Maryland has definitely shown a lot of promise on that offense and their and their offensive weapons with with uh, Talia Tagovailoa. I mean, he's been he's been playing really good. I mean, in his last game against Indiana, put up again put up like three hundred plus yards and five passing TDs, and that offense has been absolutely like awesome to watch. Because like here's the thing, like I know, like I said, they I'm not doubting what Maryland can do at all. I'm just saying like. They're not like their entire schedule isn't against interconference opponents, and they're and they're bound to play these little these little teams. Same thing as Ohio State. Ohio State's already done it. So this right now, so far, when it comes to this conference for both teams, these are both their biggest tests. Therefore, and Maryland's offense is the biggest threat to Ohio State right now. And. Even though, and here's the thing, Ohio State. I mean, they really, they really showed out last game. I'll admit, they showed heart. They, they, you know, grinded out late, and they were able to win. But you know, that defense for the Terrapins has to be absolutely all in one because that running game that Ohio State has. I mean, it's it's just freaking so scary to watch because I mean, they have a really nasty, they have a really nasty punch and. You know, McCord. I mean, he's really settling in. He's really settling in ever since week one and. Um, I mean, you really have to take a look at, you know, how the Buckeyes came came in late and just took over the game late and just scored a last second TD and just won the game, man. Like, you know, Ohio State, they proved they proved, you know, that they that they should be there. But there's other games coming down the line and that defense for for the Terrapins have to be absolutely sharp to the gills. I mean, you have to stop the run game and that's where someone like Caleb Wheatland uh, Killian Wyatt and Quashawn Fuller; those are all some of the biggest guys that you need to watch out for. Um, for for the offense, like that, those are the guys that on defense has to stop guys like Kyle McCord, and they really need to play, you know, absolutely top tier football. And the one thing that that I think is is also going to be fun to watch is later on this year, like when they like when Ohio State plays against Penn State and Michigan. I'll be interested to watch both of those games because those are the three biggest opponents. Like, well, no, no, not even like they're the three biggest teams in the conference right now. Like, but like I said, this is Maryland. Maryland, Maryland definitely has a big threat on the offense. But I just think Ohio State's offense, like, just, just the offense that they have for Ohio State, I think they're going to be a little bit too much for Maryland. I mean, because you got Trainum and also you got you got freaking Henderson. I mean, those those guys can really turn up, and they really bring. And then they really bring so much of an X factor. And also their defense, their defense really held up when it mattered too. I mean, you had Josh Proctor. I mean, you had Lathan Ransom, and then you had Steel Chambers. Those are some of the best performers on that defense from the last game out. 
and they helped they helped kind of stop Notre Dame and they were able to play really well. So, I mean, I really think that Ohio State's probably going to be able to win this one and and they might struggle a little bit on the defense at first, but I feel like lately, I feel like later in the game, I feel like they're going to get a rhythm and I feel like that offense is going to run all over run all over Maryland, but we'll definitely have to see for this weekend. But then the next one we have is LSU versus Missouri. Now, one thing I will say about LSU, <laughs> I feel so bad for their defense because, like, here's the thing, man. Like, their offense is so freaking fun to watch. I mean, Jaden Daniels is really fun. But here's the thing. Like, I mean, you guys you guys got, like, I mean, for LSU, they got, like I said, Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, and Brian Thomas Jr. Those are all some of the best wide receivers that they got. But just, you know, there also needs to be, you know, a little bit more of a strength than on the defense. And I mean, but they have great talent. Makai Wingo, Harold Perkins, Savion Jones, Major Burns. Those are all some of the biggest guys that, that LSU has in that defense. But it just sucks to see when they get drug out into these shootouts because they definitely have potential too. They have great potential as well. It's just that defense gets gets caught up in these against against like slugfests and like these shootout games. Like when they played against like Florida State and and you know Florida State was able to hold them on defense and also like their offense gave them so much trouble. I mean, their offense gave that defense of LSU so much trouble. And, you know, right now, and for them to go up against Missouri in which, I mean, Missouri, I mean, they they had a big game against Kansas State and that's what got them that's what got them into into the rankings essentially and then they had a really close game against Middle Tennessee but then they had really great bounce back wins as of late their last two wins I mean they put up at least 30 in their past two with against Memphis and Vanderbilt uh and Brady Cook I mean he's been playing really good man I mean uh, he threw for almost 400 yards, four TDs, main targets being Theo Wees, Luther Burden, and Marquise Johnson. Those are some of the biggest guys that they have on that offense, man. And Austin Firestone had a sack against Vandy. But that offense, that offensive and defensive efficiency has to be perfect in order to contend with LSU because I don't know what what Missouri needs to do better in, in this game. I mean, I just think that you know that if that offense replicates a smidge of what we've seen thus far, personally, I think that you know Missouri can definitely test that defense. But in terms of offensive efficiency, I just think that LSU is just a little bit more a little bit more elite than Missouri. That's just me. So therefore, I think I think you know it might be interesting, like in the first in the first quarter, first half. And then I feel like LSU is just going to clutch up and probably, you know, I, from, from what I've seen, <laughs> from what I've seen, even though I know like LSU didn't really play like the best competition after they, they played against Florida State. Like I know that they, I know when they lost against Florida State, one thing, one thing that was, that was crazy is after that loss against Florida State, you know, like freaking Jaden Daniels went off like they freaking played absolutely lights out their next game like their next game after that i mean and i know it was against grambling state but i mean good grief five tds five tds in the first half four for Jaden daniels man i mean he snapped after that and you know after this i mean and also lsu i mean they've had a few close games so far like in their stretch of of their first of their first five i mean even though they dominated mississippi state they barely beat arkansas and they barely, well, not necessarily. They only they only lost by six against against uh, Ole Miss, but it's just like, dude, it's just 
man, it's just freaking crazy to see that LSU because LSU is so freaking fun to watch with their offense because their offense is is so fun to watch. But yeah, oh, gosh, man, like it's I I just because oh, you know when. When I didn't really do this whole analytic thing, I always like would just go like, man, really hope LSU can shake up college football and be Alabama, you know, <laughs> like, and and when they finally did it, it was like, wow, like you know these these different types of new age offenses that that LSU's had, like even though they didn't really play all right like after Joe Burrow, but now they have some like Jane Daniels, it's so fun to watch stuff like that. And when LSU beat Alabama last year, that was freaking nuts, man. Like all I'm trying to say is that LSU, they definitely, even though they were kind of in a little bit of a slump, they definitely, definitely like have, have the potential to, to go back to that national championship one year down the line. Not, not a year from now. I'm just saying like years down the line because the program has definitely gotten – like better when it comes to the offensive efficiency that they produced over the past few years. But um, for this one, I probably got LSU probably winning this one convincingly later on in the game. But now, one of the biggest games and one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football is here, guys. An absolute shootout, bad blood, and straight-up adrenaline. And, and not only just glory and triumph, but agony and pain is coming this weekend for for whoever is in the fan bases of Oklahoma or Texas. Yes, that's right. The Red River rivalry, number 12, Oklahoma versus number three, Texas. The biggest game for Texas so far besides the Alabama game, obviously. And I know that I know that the Alabama game is definitely their biggest game of the season so far. However, you can beat Alabama, but the one thing that you can't stand, the one thing that you cannot hate on, or the, or, well, no, no, not hate on, the one thing you cannot stand as either, as, like, as either fan to either of these two teams is a lost, is a loss to one, to one another. Like, it is unbearable. And this is where the sport gets absolutely fully passionate between this rivalry right here. This is just embodiment of, pure football right here when it comes to college football for sure oklahoma texas man i mean whoo i mean it's about to get fun and i'm i'm excited man because the past few games for this series have been so fun to watch and just you know catching late and oh man guys we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a fun one this weekend so Let's take a look at Oklahoma. So right now, so far, they put up a minimum of 20 points a game. And Dylan Gabriel, I mean, he's been balling out. And like I said, there's always gonna be there's always gonna be a little bit of you know who they play, yada yada yada. But I mean, you really cannot deny the offensive efficiency that that you know Dylan Gabriel shows. And you got you got guys like Jaden Higgins, Jalen Noel. Those are some of the biggest weapons and biggest targets of that receiving core. And they are really going to have to test that secondary of Texas, but man, the way that Texas was able to to make great reads against against Jalen Milrow, who was struggling a little bit in his role, and that's something I'm going to get into later on with Alabama, because, I mean, like, there's a lot of criticism, or, well, no, 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 not even criticism, there's a lot of questions I had when, you know, when Alabama faced USF and they took out Jalen Milrow, and, and I just thought that that was a little bit weird. But I'll get into that. I'll get into that later on. But I mean, guys, they've they've definitely they've definitely seen teams in the past few weeks. Like, here's the thing: like when Texas played against Wyoming, they start off a little late. Like they start off a little little slow, and then they and then they turned it up. 
So I'm saying if Oklahoma can start off really fast on offense, they can kind of relieve – well, not necessarily relieve, but they can try to – they can try to get – they can try to set the tone for what the defense needs to replicate in terms of overall efficiency for the team. Because we we don't know, man, because that defense, that defense with Billy Bowman, Gentry Williams, and Key Lawrence, those are all going to be those are all going to be the, the pivotal keys for Oklahoma when it comes to the overall when it comes to the overall game for Oklahoma. Because when they go up against Texas, man, I mean, Texas's offense has definitely looked very scary, especially what Quinn Ewers has been able to do, man. I mean, absolutely insane. So, I mean, the biggest thing that has surprised me about, about Texas is that just that defense, man. I mean, how they were able to, you know, going up against Alabama, um, and they secured five sacks against Alabama, and they've only been able to hold teams to 14 points max. And as of right now, when it comes to how these offenses are looking, right now it looks like Oklahoma is definitely going to be testing that that defense. But, man, the defense that they got, man, I mean, you have guys like Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford, Jedi Bar- like Jedi Barn. Those are all some of the biggest guys that contributed to that win against Alabama. And when they also have those guys on the offense, like – Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, guys, those guys are so freaking fun to watch when it comes to that receiving core of Texas, and man, I'm just really excited to watch this one, but, you know, if this team can can move up with a win, like, I think with this, Texas, this could really make a whole statement, and I know, and I know that just despite the rankings, I know that, but in terms of how both of these teams look, and, and like, how, how they look a lot like on offense, I mean, their offense for both are very scary and, and very fun to watch. So when it comes to Texas, this has to be a statement win or, or for, for either, for either it has to be a statement win. Because I mean, imagine if, imagine if Oklahoma loses to Texas or imagine if Texas beats Oklahoma. Either way, either way, I think both teams should move up. Like whoever wins, whoever wins should move up significantly. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Texas goes from, you know, like if they're number three, and you know they go all the way to like 20 if they lose to Oklahoma. And like I'm not saying that Oklahoma just immediately takes their spot. I'm not saying that at all. But I just think that if Texas does win this one, I think they should at least move up another spot in the top four. Like just no questions asked. But you know, already looking at how the CFP is probably running on this year, especially with what just happened this past weekend. Uh, you know, I have a feeling that they're going to be like, wow, well, you know, they beat they beat Kentucky. Georgia beat Kentucky, so I think they should stay at number one. I'm just saying if if Texas can put on like a shootout, like a shootout early, but a dominant win late, like maybe like a – maybe it goes to like maybe 24-24 at half, but then they pull away like 56-24. I'm just saying this hypothetical. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think in that case they should move forward personally because imagine if they did that. Now, if, they, now if Texas did that, whew, good grief, that would be nuts for them. Um, but for this one, man, it's definitely a must win. Not only just for, just for rankings, it's just pride. This all, that's all this game really comes down to. It's just pride because you want those bragging rights and you want to be talking so much trash after that. Like if you, if you're a Texas fan and you have friends, that's an Oklahoma fan, you already know that they're going to be talking so much trash. So strap in boys. It's about to get really fun. But overall, I think I think Texas is a little bit more well-rounded. But we're definitely gonna have to see how the defense holds up against that that really that that really freaking fun offense of Oklahoma. So I think Texas is probably gonna start off this game, probably 
it's probably going to start off close early, but I feel like Texas is going to slightly pull away. I'm not saying I don't know if Texas is necessarily going to dominate and just pull away, but I think right now Texas probably wins this one by maybe a touchdown, a touchdown, or maybe even ten points. That's that's what I got there. Um, so the next one we got is Washington State versus UCLA. Now, in my opinion, guys, like I know. I know that I've talked about, you know, all these other conferences, but the one conference that really needs to be mentioned right now is is the Pac-12. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I feel like you can take a look at all these teams right now. Like, I, I just think that right now, and I understand that rankings, that rankings sometimes can be legitimate or not, depending on how teams play. And how they can look shaky and how teams can get humbled. Like, I mean, like with Clemson a million times. Like, we've had that happen a million times in the past few years. Like, I completely, like, I know that. But right now, the Pac-12 is the most stacked conference in college football right now. In terms of the rankings. And I'm not saying that all these teams can can necessarily, like, go ahead and contend for a national title. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is, right now, I feel like whoever wins out in their schedule, including the three teams that are in the top ten of the Pac-12, deserve to be in the, deserve to be in the top four. Whoever wins. Because, I mean, look at the games that you have late. Washington, Oregon, and USC, they all have to play against each other. They all have to play against each other. And then on top of that, too, you have teams like Washington State who are going to be looking forward to try to shake up that Pac-12 title race. But it's definitely going to be interesting coming down the stretch later on in the season. Because here's the thing, y'all. If you look at if you look at the teams that USC has to play later on in the in the in the later parts of the year, I think, I think, guys, like with how they look right now, look at look at who who they have to play. So even though even though they didn't even though they didn't beat a ranked Colorado team, one thing that you cannot deny about USC is that they have been struggling on on the on the defensive side of the ball. Their best win, well their best two wins so far of the season in which their defense showed out the most was when they beat Stanford and Nevada. And Stanford is in Stanford, I mean like one of the things that I saw, they're they're highly ranked in terms of the defense for for Stanford, like in, in terms of, of the conference. Now, look at some of the other numbers that they've gone that they've gone up against and they've struggled with. I mean, San Jose State, twenty eight points scored against them. Arizona State, twenty eight point like Arizona State, they had twenty eight points scored against them. And then Colorado, forty one points. So what I'm trying to get at is, so far in each game of the season. They've had 10 or more points allowed so far. And they've struggled when they go up against some of these great offensive weapons with their quarterback. I mean, with how Shador was able to to help Colorado drive down the field. Like, all I'm trying to get at is, right now, USC needs a miracle on their defense with how they need to play in order to make it into the top. And, and like, in order to make it into the top four later on this year. But they have their plate loaded, loaded. Because after this week, after this week, next weekend, we got USC versus Notre Dame. They play up against Utah next. They go up against California, unranked. Then they play up against, they play up against top 10 Washington. Then they play against top 10 Oregon. And then they, then they, then they obviously have the rivalry game against UCLA. So... If USC is able to win out their schedule, they deserve to be they like as of right now. If all of the standings of these teams 
stand currently. If that's how they stand throughout the rest of the season, I think personally that that USC deserves to have that like deserves to move into the top four. I mean, and the same thing could be said with with Washington. Because, I mean, look at who Washington has to play. Next week, they play up against Oregon. Then they go up against Arizona State. Then they play up against Washington. I mean, yeah. So Washington then plays against Stanford. Then Washington plays up against number nine USC. Then they go up against ranked 18 Utah. Then they go up against Oregon State. Then they go up against Washington State. So there's definitely a lot of movement that's going to happen in this conference. But if whoever, whichever one of these teams wins out for the rest of their schedule, they deserve to be in the top in the top in the top four. I'm not saying that I'm not saying just because I'm picking these teams or I'm saying that these teams like if I'm not saying that they're gonna like, oh well they're going to the national championship. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is that these teams right here, whoever wins out, I think deserve to be to be moving forward. Because in terms of depth of schedule, they they have more ranked teams that they played against. And if they beat more ranked teams, that means they should be further up onto the echelon. And the same the same argument could be made if Georgia wins out. Because, I mean, look at the teams that Georgia has to play later on. I mean, I know they're playing against Kentucky. And later on, they're going to be playing against, even though they might not be looking the best right now, they have to play against Tennessee. And originally, they're going to play, uh, play up against Florida. But look at the teams that they got to play later on in their schedule for Georgia. Because right now they haven't looked too convincing, like I said. So they got to play against Kentucky. They got to play up against, I mean, I'm not going to count Vanderbilt. I mean, because just it's Vanderbilt. Um, and then you got, like I said, Florida, who's just recently ranked, but not ranked anymore. Then they got to go up against Missouri. Then Ole Miss, which is their toughest, which in my opinion is going to be their toughest test to that, to that defense because of the offensive efficiency of Ole Miss and Tennessee. But we're really going to have to see how, how some of these teams perform going down the stretch later on in the year for, for Ole Miss and Tennessee. And who knows, what if Missouri pulls off, pulls off a win against, against LSU? That's all I'm saying. And then, on top of that, too, like, for Washington State, though, man, I mean, their high-scoring performances, I mean, they've been doing really well. I mean, they had a really close game against Oregon State. And then, and then even though they only won by three, they still got the job done. Cameron Ward, I mean, balled out, man. Uh, 400 yards, four TDs. The Cougars had 28 in the first quarter. The defense had its hands full. But guys like Jaden Hicks, Nusi Milani, Sam Lockett all really stepped up, helped to help to see the game through. The defense, I mean, they – I mean – They've had at least 20 points scored against them each game, but their offense has definitely put up a little bit more than what they've gotten scored against them in 30 points per game. But they really need to be careful with how UCLA can be because UCLA, they've scored up at least in all their wins, they've scored up against 20-plus in their wins, but in their, their lone loss was against Utah, and they were only held to seven. And that's something that's really stunning there considering how, how explosive this UCLA offense can be. Now, they have a chance to shake up the Pac-12 for sure because the offense with the guys like Dante Moore, man. I mean, da- Dante Moore is an absolute beast. I mean, you got Anthony Adkins, Cam Brown, all being some of the best weapons for the Bruins. And they – but the one thing that was that was nuts, like in that game, they were left scoreless in three quarters. Like that's just something that does not happen when you take a look at the run of form and how they scored against these teams. And I know competition, yada, 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 don't matter. If they put up if they put up those types of numbers, you're expected to continue those types of numbers when it gets to like the elevated competition. Because if not, you're going to see if you achieve or you grossly achieve in terms of the type of pace that the opponent's going to be going at. Because even though it was a, it was a low scoring game, 
like for, for UCLA when they lost to Utah, it still goes to show that to hold the offense that puts up nearly well that puts up you know twenty plus that's special for for a team to do that against someone like that. So with this one though, I mean that defense that defense is gonna be is gonna be really 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 freaking. They're going to be struggling, I think, a little bit with with the offense that Washington has. I mean, Washington State. I mean, you got guys like Kay Mandra- uh, Kane Mandrano, Darius Musau, Grayson Murphy. They need to. They really need to step up and shut down Cam Cam Ward, man, because Cam Ward is an absolute stud, and I think that he's definitely going to be causing a little bit of a rift when it comes to the defensive efforts of UCLA. But I mean, UCLA has has an opportunity to bounce back and they definitely have a big opportunity here but imagine if they are some of the imagine if UCLA is able to come back and and shake up shake up teams and what if they're the one that that hands maybe USC a loss in the last game of their season if they do go undefeated I'm just saying there's so many different what or ifs or ands and buts I get that but dude like if they're able to do that or like what if they beat Washington State and then they beat Oregon State I know that's a big stretch but I'm just saying what if that's the best part about sometimes watching this sport and that's sometimes the worst part about watching the sport is the unpredictability and we have no idea what's going to happen next but for the next one we got is Syracuse versus UNC now Syracuse they suffered their first loss uh, against Clemson this past weekend as they fell short 31-14 and even though they didn't have a, a scoring a, a high scoring affair that they're that they're used to have um I mean the orange I mean they put up at least 20 points per game before they met Clemson and with with how with how their offense was able to was able to uh was I mean their offense was just kind of a little bit struggling with the defense of Clemson. I mean with with how Garrett Schrader. I mean he only threw for 181 yards, two TDs, and one INT, and they only scored in the first and fourth quarter. Like that's pretty big for Clemson to do. Um, but their defense just couldn't keep up with. I mean I mean the guys that they had um, going up against against Cade um, with Leon Lowry and Caleb. Uh, Okay, Chukwu, I mean, they had three combined sacks against the Tigers. I mean, and that's really big right there. But, I mean, the offenses for for the ACC, I mean, right now they're heating up. Because you have you have quarterbacks like Riley Leonard and, and Drake May that are that are some of the fun. And then also Jordan Travis. Those are all some of the some of the funnest QBs to watch in the ACC. If you're looking to watch fun ACC QB football, it's definitely those those three right there. Now, for UNC, I mean, right now. They've done well so far, and they they've been putting up good wins so far. And the only scare that they've had so far is against App State in Week Two. But I mean, in their last matchup, they put forty one against Pitt. That's pretty big for them. Um, and Drake May balled out three hundred yards, one TD. Amarian Hampton, I mean, he's been killing it. He had a rushing TD with the defense being able to hold when it was needed against uh, their their defense that they have is also pretty good as well. Because Cayman Rucker, he had two sacks, and Elijah Hustle had two ints. So. This defense, this defense of, of UNC, it definitely has the efficiency to probably shut down Syracuse. So, but just just be just be watching out for how these two offenses operate in terms of uh, how the ACC title race is going on right now. But I really can't can't wait to see how both of those teams operate on both offense and defense and who can hold who. Now, the next one we have is number eleven Alabama versus Texas A and M. Now, I've I've made it clear that you know. I wasn't the biggest fan of Alabama the past few years, for sure. 
But the one thing that that a lot of people have been saying is, well, like I was watching, I was watching a video yesterday, and when um, it, it was about how TCU and Georgia was one of the worst championship games in history, yada yada yada, like in terms of like outcomes, everything like that. And one thing that kind of struck me by surprise was saying the prime Saban era, and I'm like, dude, that can still happen. <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, like that's just like one of the one things that I find so nuts is like. Just because Alabama isn't isn't in the top four, like they're immediately mediocre, and and this is me like defending them, and I'm not even really a big fan of Alabama. I'm just saying, but like, look at look at their track record the past few years. Like, I mean, look at who they've look at who and like where they've placed. I mean, guys, <laughs> they're they're like prime saving era. You kidding me? Their last national title was three years ago. <laughs> they're still there. <laughs> they're still there. They're still there to be a national champion. They still can be. And on top of that, too, prime era. Three years before that, national champion. Two years before that, national champion. Three years before that, national champion. One year before 2012, a 2011-2009 champion. Just <laughs> freaking crazy, man. I just I just think that that's freaking funny to me. It's like when we hear about like prime eras and whatnot. Like Just because like Alabama right now isn't in the CFP, like, dude, did you see what they did last year? Even though they weren't able to beat even though they weren't able to beat LSU and they lost, like, and they lost after that and they got into a bowl game, did you not see what they did? Like, dude, come on. Like, it's really, it's really annoying about how, like, even though Alabama might not be at the same place when they were, dude, come on. Like, they lost, like, I know that they lost to, to LSU in a very close game, then they nearly lost to Alabama, then they went on to beat Austin P later on last year, and then they beat, and then they beat Auburn, but then look at what they did then. They freaking smacked Kansas State. <laughs> like 45-20. So all, all I'm saying is just because they're not in the same place that they need to be right now doesn't mean that they can that doesn't mean that they can't go back. And the like the head scratcher to me was, man, like I don't know why they took out Jalen Milrow after the USF game. And after the USF game, I know I mean after the after the Texas game. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. After after they took out Jalen Milrow. Um, after the Texas game, I was like, I mean, I know that I know that uh, Jalen only had 255 yards, two TDs, and two INTs, but still, man, like the guy that they, the guy that replaced him, man, just didn't look great. I mean, Ty Simpson only went five for nine for set for 73 yards. That just doesn't happen. And on top of that, too, you're no, you're normally looking at an Alabama team that goes up at least. 24 nothing or 24 some like they, they score so much but for them to only be held 3-3 at half against USF it's weird it's definitely weird obviously but i mean they bounced back man they bounced back and they definitely showed a little bit showed a little bit more of their of their of their promise i'm not saying their old days i'm just showing that they're showing what they're capable of because a lot of these teams right now even though they might not they might not have a uh, have an O on their record, but they still have the potential. That's what I said about Clemson. Like, here's the thing: Clemson has good players, but some of the questionable play, like some of the some of the mistakes, some of the the miscues, and and some of the some of the coaching mistakes that we had, like say against Florida State, made us have something that just like made us made us look so subpar to what we're normally able to perform against. And I'm not necessarily like just just saying that even if we won those games, we would go to a national title. No. Like, the past few years, it's a stretch to even say that we even would. Like, with how we've played the past few years. 
because a lot of the obligations go to the quarterback, but that or, or to the offense, and then the offense doesn't play well, and then everything and the whole pressure goes on the defense. So, like, we have the potential. It's just hard when we're not realizing it because we have bad miscues and we have things that we, that could be fixed, and it's really hard to watch, obviously. Um, and I'm not denying that times are changing in the ACC for sure. I'm not denying it at all. I mean, there's, I mean, look at how many ranked teams are in the freaking ACC right now. You got like Miami, Duke, UNC, and freaking who knows if who knows if freaking Notre Dame is even in it because considering they just float around like a, <laughs> like it's just crazy. So what I'm trying to say is the times are changing, and you know I know that this might not be, you know, like the the same Clemson that we're aware of. Or, or that we're used to, but you know times are definitely changing, and I mean good on them, you know. But you know for for anything less than an ACC title each season, that's just a failure of the year for Clemson. It's just it just is what it is. But um for this game against Al, I mean for this game for Alabama, I mean, I mean guys, when they were able to to bounce back and they were able to beat you know Ole Miss in the way that they did twenty four ten. I mean I know it wasn't necessarily a super convincing win. But after USF, they were able to bounce back pretty convincingly. And then after that, they, they beat down Mississippi State and they got back to their highly scoring ways. And that's the those are the types of scores that Alabama is accustomed to. I mean, because, I mean, I mean, look at it. Jalen Monroe, even though he didn't have a passing TD, 164 yards. And then look at the defense. I mean, I mean, not even just the defense, man. Look at how they played well with with running the ball as well. I mean, yeah, Jalen Monroe, he had two rushing TDs. Jace McClellan, uh, Jace McClellan, he had a rushing TD as well. And the defense, really, really carrying it. I mean, Caleb Downs, Jalen Key. I mean, Alabama's still talented enough, man. Like, it's not that they're just going to freaking freaking have a bad game and then they just dwindle away and fade into nothingness. But the team that they're going up against, obviously, Texas A&M, that's definitely been a, been a, uh, a type of game that we've, that we've been seeing in the past few years. And when, when that type of game has shown up, the, the first time I remember when that game was actually interesting was when Johnny Manziel played up against Alabama and beat Alabama. But for Texas A&M, man, I mean, they, they really bounced back big, even though they lost to Miami. Um, and they had great wins over Auburn and Arkansas, who are all SEC opponents. And with this game against Alabama, I mean, if they can make a statement and win, like and and really show up with their with their offense with Max Johnson showing pretty good. I mean he put up two he put up two TDs and two hundred yards. I think that'd be a great a great way for Texas A&M to bounce back. But with how Alabama looked last time out, especially with how they were able to how they were able to show on defense, I just think that Alabama's going to replicate the same the same like thing. So. Um, I think that Alabama is just going to get back to their winning ways, and I think that they're probably going to win this one convincingly. Now, the next one we have is number 20, Kentucky, versus number one, Georgia. Now, for Kentucky, I mean, the Wildcats, they're surging right now. Great win against Florida. I mean, the Kentucky offense is really scary considering how they're able to put up more than 20 points per game. And I know the competition thing, yada, 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 I get it. Um, but they they might not have played against the greatest competition as i'm saying but they're still ranked with a tall test ahead of them and based off how georgia has been playing as of late they they don't look nearly as as dominant as they did last year um and i know they played i, I know that they finally just played two sec opponents but then like there's probably going to be a thing of oh well you know look about all these other wins i mean okay let's take a look at your two bit i mean your your other big wins besides those two conference opponents let's take a look at them shall we 
let's take a look. Let's take a look at your argument. And well, let's just see. So, Ball State. Mm, nice. Great win. Where's that? UAB. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> so, all I'm Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, the biggest one. UT Martin. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well done. Every time you don't play a team in the SEC right now, you, you put up 40. What do you like in teams that you never that you don't really hear of anymore, or they're only there just to play against big teams, just get smacked and get money for their program. That's it. So all I'm getting at is that Kentucky, Kentucky definitely has a threat in in like in the in the offensive. Devin Leary is definitely one of the more legit guys that they have on the offense. But I mean, Ramon Davis had a game last time. I mean, he had 208 yards, three TDs on offense. But the only concern that Kentucky has. And I know that the defense of Georgia can definitely turn up when it matters, but when it comes to basing off of how Georgia looked at, at the at the highly aggressive and, and highly energetic offense of Auburn, I think that if if Kentucky can can even try to take a smidge of that game plan, they can definitely cause some trouble for Georgia, for sure. And and I just think that the Wildcats, their defense has to play their best game. Because if, if not, like, Brock Bowers is going to run all over them. And that's exactly what happened in the last game out. Because, like I said, Georgia, I mean, they've been tested on early by two interconference opponents, USC, and most recently Auburn. But <clears throat> they've had guys, obviously, and they have the new guy, Carson Beck, playing great, and Brock Bowers obviously playing great. And that defense just doesn't really look um, – as close as they were last year, considering how dominant they were. But I know that they lost a big chunk. But still, when you're when you're going on to it and you're talking about these big recruits coming in, you have a big obligation to follow what you what you did last year into the year into the next year. That's just what it is. Because you know, if, if you win two in a row, you're expected to win three in a row. It's just that simple. Especially especially with the amount of talent. And even though you might lose talent, there's still gonna be guys that grind in the offseason and, and you know take take the leadership roles that, you know, the, the heroes of old have left behind for you. Um, so for but take a look at one other thing that's concerning about their defense. I mean look at look at like how they've been scoring on them. UAB, twenty one points, Auburn, twenty points, South Carolina, fourteen points. Now I understand with maybe UAB they probably put in third string, second string, yada yada yada, but still like that's just not exactly the most convincing but Georgia's winning these games with pure offensive efficiency that overwhelms opponents and and their defense can kind of hold when it's late but at the same time their offensive efficiency can just be a little bit greater than some of these teams that that kind of have like almost the same amount of offensive efficiency like with USC I mean USC well actually no with USC they they got scored on like by two touchdowns and i know that georgia didn't win that game super 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 convincingly but still that just goes a sign of the times that i think that georgia's time as number 1 is probably going to be up here soon and for them for them to go up against kentucky they they definitely have a great they have a great defense as well. They have great guys. I mean, they have Javon Bullard, Malachi Starks, Nazir Stackhouse, and Tyke Smith. Those are all great guys on the defense that need to sharpen up later on in this year when they play up against Tennessee, when they play up probably against Florida, depending on how Florida plays, because Florida is just a coin toss half the time. I mean, they have been ever since Swamp Kings came out. Um, you know, there's so many different things that they have to watch out for. I mean, it's just that simple. Because Florida, Florida can play good, and then sometimes that they can fall backwards. 
and then you know they got to go up against Missouri, and then they got to play up against Ole Miss. Those guys on defense have to step up. They have to step up, or otherwise they're going to get ran all over. And the next one we got is, I mean, for that one, for for that one quickly, I'll probably think that Kentucky's probably going to win that one. Well, actually, no, no, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I blanked out there. I think that Georgia, they might be struggling late, but I feel like they're going to escape. I, I feel like they're going to escape. Uh, I feel like they're going to escape in the very dying seconds, and I feel like they might be doing it by maybe scoring a touchdown and maybe getting an interception late and then securing the game. Um, and I definitely think, I definitely think that um, you know Georgia might start off hot, and then Kentucky might be able to might be able to match a little bit. But then I think that Georgia will eventually find something to, to exploit on the defense of Kentucky, and I just think that Georgia's going to be able to overwhelm on that offense, and I think that Georgia's just going to escape with the win. Um, now the next one we got is Florida State versus Virginia Tech. Now for Florida State, I mean, they've been showing up big so far. I mean, their past two games, even though they've been close games in their own conference, I mean, 31-29 win against Boston College before, um, and their last game, OT win against, uh, against Clemson, 31-24, very close game. Um, you know, uh, there's definitely not a questionable play call in, in a third and short, uh, for the Tigers, <clears throat> Dabo Sweeney, <laughs> but, um, so for Florida State, I mean, they've definitely shown that they can hang around, um, you know, I mean, with the way that they beat LSU in the season opener, that was a great statement for them, and, um, Right now, as of, as of right now, in terms of like how the rankings look, they have two ranked teams left in their schedule, which is Miami and Duke, and um, and it, and the third would have, the third would have been Florida, but um, you know Florida definitely has a big stretch of games where they're facing six straight ACC opponents, and Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, those are all some of the biggest stars on that offense that really makes. Florida State, such a special football team to watch, especially on their offense, man. I mean, even though we, even though, like I said, Clemson lost, like the way that Jordan Travis was able to, to navigate and the way that he was able to play, I mean, he's he's definitely one of the top quarterbacks right now in the ACC for sure. I think I think right now you can make an argument that he's number one. Um, but then you also you also have to take a look at the defense, man. I mean, you have you have Renardo Green, Kalen Deloke, you have Tatum Bethune, you have so many great guys that stepped up against the Tigers in their last game and, and really, really helped them, uh, really helped them, you know, shine later on in the game. But, um, you know, we can see that sometimes Florida State can get a little bit overwhelmed, but then once that offense turns up a smidge, that defense can follow right with it. Um, but for this one, for Georgia Tech, I mean, for, well, they're not, not Georgia Tech, for Virginia Tech, I mean, most recently they just beat Pitt uh, in a comfy 38-21 uh, 20, uh, win with uh, Kyron Drones, man. I mean, he played really good, 200 yards, three TDs. And uh, Bayasol Tutin and Daquan Felton, those are some of the biggest guys um, in the receiving core that might be a little bit of a problem for that secondary for Florida State. However, the defense is definitely going to have its hands full, and I just don't know if Virginia is going to be able to match the intensity. So I think that Florida State's probably going to win that one pretty convincingly, but it really depends on how on how Virginia Tech can maybe handle the clock and, and maybe time manage going down late if they have the lead or, or maybe if they just have multiple great stops on defense, but we don't know. Um now the next one we have is Clemson versus Wake Forest, and <laughs> and I know, I know, I know, 
I know, I know that they're not ranked, but still, it's just a team. It's just, <laughs> it's just a team I have to break down, uh, you know, because it's it's a big ACC matchup, and on top of that too, they're my favorite team. Have to do it. So, boys, I mean, they had a great, they had a great showing off last time against against uh, against obviously with Syracuse, but I mean, with with. With their win, I mean, Cade played really well, 263 yards, two TDs. Will Shipley and Maffa both had rushing TDs. And let me tell you, that one, that that running attack with both Phil Maffa and Shipley, they're really fun to watch whenever they get going. And Bo Collins, you have Troy Stilato, um, and Tyler Brown. Those are all having great receiving games. And the defense, I mean, they came back with a vengeance. Jeremiah Trotter had a had an INT. TJ Parker had two sacks. Ruga Rororo had a sack as well. Um, and... It's just weird to see how Clemson has has lost to Duke and Florida State so far in their in their season. And um, you know, with Florida State, we've kind of gone back and forth with Florida State for a while, for sure. Um, and even the same thing, like I mean, with Duke, we never really had that except for in basketball. But I mean, you know, Duke has been good at basketball ever since Coach K was freaking born. Um, but you know, for for Clemson and how they've been able to kind of bounce back a little bit not necessarily like going in the in the direction that we wanted but for them to bounce back and show a little bit more of the of the potential I'm I just like all I want now since you know everything that that I really wanted to see that like I wasn't necessarily trying to predict saying that it was going to happen like happened all I wanted to say is that I just want to see I just want to see good performances this year like you know because after the way that we started I, I just want to see us beat South Carolina honestly and maybe maybe with a little bit of a cherry on top <laughs> beat North Carolina which is I don't know we'll see about that one and on top of that if we can somehow beat uh, Miami too I just want to see that happen but will it happen I don't know because with, with Clemson football these days it's night and day <laughs> like we could we could freaking we could freaking fly to the moon in five seconds or you know next thing you know we're, we're expecting we're expecting to, to dominate and then we show up looking like a like a kitten instead of a tiger so <laughs> so I'm just saying I don't know man we'll definitely have, well not a kitten a cub uh, but, uh, you know, this one right here, I mean, of course, we got Wake Forest. Wake Forest, I mean, last year, man, I mean, whew, great game last year. And um, with Wake Forest versus Clemson last year, man, I mean, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was, And that was when Sam Hartman was a deacon, too. So one thing that that uh, that the Demon Deacons do is that, I mean, whenever we play against them, we definitely have a – we definitely have a fun time playing against them because of um you know the last game I mean last time we played them man good grief man that was that was a freaking that was like literally one of the one of the freaking instances where I just don't want to be a fan anymore considering how much freaking you know how many different emotions that this team puts me through sometimes but uh you know last time out Clemson played up uh, the last time Clemson played up against Wake Forest 51-45 big win for them um, but you know, even though they don't have Sam Hartman anymore, man, I mean, they're still they're still looking a little bit dangerous this year. I mean, right now they're they're three and one, and you know they've played up against so far Vanderbilt, uh, so far against Elon, Old Dominion, not necessarily the best right there. But I mean, they're kind of having the same problem that we are, especially with the with the. Uh, I mean, their offensive their offensive has definitely looked promising, but the one thing that they have right now. Is that um, in their last game out? They played up against Georgia Tech, and that's an ACC opponent. And you know, Mitch Griffiths, uh, he had 162 yards, one TD, and three INTs, producing a season low 16 points. And that's something uh, kind of weird considering the games before going up against Georgia Tech, they scored at least at least a minimum of 20 points. Um, 
and and for them, I mean, Jacob Roberts, Jasheen Davis, and Dylan Hazen, I mean, those are all going to be some of the guys for Wake Forest that can perhaps cause more offensive disruption considering that we don't know where Clemson's offense is going because, you know, it's kind of like a line graph. It's just continuous over time, and it changes a million times. Like, you know, when we had Trevor Lawrence freaking all the way up, and then, you know, when we had DJ, kind of kind of went down a little bit. Well, a little bit a lot kind of thing and then you know it, that's just that's just how it is sometimes being a Clemson fan I'll admit it but uh um for this one that defense for Clemson is definitely going to try to try to replicate everything that Griffiths has been doing because right now he's already had six INTs so far this year and I know that I know that Cade has a few as well but that defense of Clemson, I feel like, is going to overwhelm that offense. And I really feel like the offense of Clemson really just has to get going. And they really need to play the type of game that they just played against Syracuse with Cade, showing what he can truly do instead of having bad play calling. So um, I think Clemson might be able to, to win this one, not necessarily in a super high-scoring game. So I'm probably going to go with probably going to go with this one, 28-14 Clemson. Now, the next one we got is a big return game for Notre Dame. So, Notre Dame, even though they lost to Ohio State, very close game, they came up with a big win against a surging, uh, against a surging Duke. So, Duke really came back. But after, after holding them scoreless, I mean, Duke, I mean, Duke really bounced back. Um, I mean, even though Duke was, Duke was scoreless, Duke bounced back, and they outscored, they outscored Notre Dame 14-11 in the second half. Um... And the efforts of Sam Hartman, man, and Audrey Gassime, those guys on that offense are freaking so fun to watch, especially with how Sam Hartman has been able to perform um, so far in another in another different college and especially a, a different type of competition that Notre Dame brings, especially with how many different opponents that they go up against. Um, and and the defense with guys like Howard Cross III, Xavier Watts, and – and I mean, dude, <laughs> this this Notre Dame defense definitely has its hands full, especially with how Louisville's been playing in, in their last game. I mean, and dude, look at this. I mean, the way that they played up against Boston College, I mean, they put up fifty six against them, which was huge considering that Boston College nearly beat Florida State. And they even though they snuck out with a win against NC State, Louisville's Jack Plummer, I mean, he's been playing really good. Six TDs, but he had two INTs, however, in his past two games, like combined. Um and they outscored the Wolfpack 13 uh, 13-0 in the second half to secure the win. And the defensive efforts from Cameron Kelly, Quincy Riley, Ramon, uh, Ramon Purier, and on top of that, Ashton uh, Gillot, those are some of the biggest guys that can step up and really change the pace of a game. And that's exactly what they did later on in the game when they played up against the NC State Wolfpack. And Notre Dame, they've been in close games before when it came to um, like early on, and when they played against NC State, they were struggling until the fourth, and they pulled away convincingly with 21 points scored. And and even they they were struggled they struggled a little bit with Ohio State, and you know it was a really really close game. And that defensive secondary really for for Louisville is going to try to make try to make Sam Hartman's time really really tough. But uh, we're really excited to see how that's going to go. Now, the next one we have is Arkansas versus Ole Miss. Now, for Arkansas, even though they'll have two wins, two of their losses have came from very close games in which they nearly beat LSU. And K.J. Uh, Jefferson, even though in his last game he had one TD, one INT for the offense, and he's going to be looking to come up big against an elite offense as they hung around with. I mean, they can really, they can really hang in there. And with Arkansas's defense, that they they have their hands full against Ole Miss, man, because Ole Miss, I mean, bounced back with a huge win against LSU, 55-49, but their defense allowed 49 points due to offensive. I mean, they they just kill it. 
And Alabama scored 24 points and held the Rebels to 10 points, their lowest so far all year. And the Rebels definitely need a great set of performances leading up to their showdown with Georgia later on this year. And, you know, Jackson Dart been playing it, man. I mean, I mean, in his last game, 389 yards, four TDs, rushing TD. And the rushing TDs from uh, Quinshawn Judkins, Ulysses, Bentley, the fourth, killing the Tigers on the ground and, and uh, just, you know, really want to go show how great they are later down in the stretch. And Ashanti Sistrunk and also Kari Coleman, they've been killing the offensive efforts of the Razorbacks as well. Um, and I think that the one I think that they're definitely gonna be trying to trying to shut down Arkansas fully and I think that this one's gonna be a statement win by Ole Miss. So I got Ole Miss probably got Ole Miss by twenty I got I got Ole Miss by twenty four. That's gonna be a really good game for them. Uh, now the next one we got is Michigan versus Minnesota. Now for Michigan, I mean their offense has definitely been showing off for sure. I mean they have a great offensive threat with JJ McCarthy, Blake, uh, JJ McCarthy and Blake Corum. Uh, you know Corum's been running the show when it comes to the when it comes to the the ground efforts of the rushing offense, and the defense has been doing great so far. And as of right now, against all the teams they played up against, they've only allowed seven so far. I mean great great showing from their defense. Um, but like I said, lack of competition, yada yada yada. But I mean, look at their defensive threats, and these are the te- these are the types of guys that really are going to need to step up when they go up against the Penn States and the Ohio States this year. When they play up against jo- when they have guys like Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, and Braden McGregor, those are all going to be some of the biggest threats that really need to step up in these bigger games going on. And for Minnesota, I mean. Even though they've lost two games in their season so far, they put up really high perform like performances and scoring. And on top of that, just I mean, but not in every single game. Their defense has been struggling, and even though they've been winning games, they've definitely been getting pushed hard with teams such as like UNC, Northwestern, Louisiana, all putting up twenty plus on their on their defense. So I think that eventually, I think that Michigan's just going to be able to run through them, and I think that Michigan's just going to show another um, another great offensive and defensive showcase of what they can do and what they're probably going to do later on in this season against these big teams in their conference um and the big and the big teams like like i said penn state and ohio state obviously now the next one we have is georgia tech versus number 17 miami florida um because i mean apparently there's a miami ohio which is freaking nuts because i mean miami florida is not (laughs) is is freaking um not is not nearly in the same stratosphere when it comes to uh, <laughs> like it's just Miami, Florida is just so much better when it comes to in terms of beauty than Miami, Ohio. I assume. I mean, I never been, probably never want to, but <laughs> like you get the point. Um, but for George Sack, I mean George Sack, I mean they've gone up against some threatening opponents so far this year, like Louisville, Ole Miss, and uh, and lost both. But losses to teams like Bowling Green are some of the opponents that Georgia Tech is not used to seeing because you know. Back in the day in the ACC, they were definitely a threat, and they were they they were a big threat to Clemson at one time. And on top of that, like you have guys, I mean, you have you have great potential on the offense with Haynes Kind throwing for 300, 300 plus yards, four TDs, two INTs, and the defense just couldn't keep up. But I mean, you have guys like Lamiles Brooks, Kevin Harris. Those are all guys on the on the Yellow Jackets defense that had to play well against Miami. And if they can beat Miami, man, I mean, that'll just put a whole fork through through anyone's schedule that wants. Uh, that wants anyone for the ACC to show up into the top four, and Florida State looks like the clear-cut contender to maybe get there. Um, but Miami, I mean, they've been starting off really well, and they've been putting up a minimum of 30 points per game, and now that they had a great win against uh, Texas A&M that helped them get ranked, uh, they've been rolling, man. I mean, they have they have a few really big matchups later on this year, um, 
and and the the matchup that they have next is number fourteen UNC. But I mean, Van Dyke has been balling out, man. Three passing TDs and and Henry Paris Jr. dominating on the ground, one hundred thirty nine yards, two rushing TDs. The defensive efforts from Thomas Gore, Leonard Taylor, and DeCorey Couch, two INTs, awesome. So Miami is definitely going to um, definitely going to be able to. Uh, Keep keep the tone running, but I mean, listen, man, the Hurricanes definitely have a little bit more of a of a of a threat, and not even more of a threat. They they definitely have a uh, a chance to maybe win the ACC. It depends, like, because here's the thing: as of right now, anybody has a chance, but we'll see we'll see when these games actually happen. And they have games like Florida State and Louisville because you know anything can happen. Because I mean, you know that one year when freaking Burrow went down, and he got clocked. I mean, no one knew that he would come back and you know turn his life into a video game and become a national champion. I'm just saying, when it comes to college football, anything can happen. Now the next one we have is Fresno State, uh, Fresno State versus Wyoming. Now for the Bulldogs, I mean, they've been starting off the season really well so far, considering that they're undefeated, five and zero, and they're ranked. Uh, Mikey has been killing it, man. 300 yards, two TDs, two INTs with a great win over Nevada in their last time out. But their defense has definitely been showing out as well. I mean, you had sacks from guys like Sion, Noah, Jacob, uh, uh, no, not Jacob, um, Jacob, Jacob Holmes, Kamari Bailey, and Krishan Gordon all being some of the biggest threats that are going to um, show up against Wyoming. And Wyoming, they've definitely been able to um, put up pretty decent, however, close games against against teams like New Mexico and and uh, Appalachian State and and Texas as well. And here's the thing, I'm not saying I'm not saying that like you know they held them to a close game because Texas Texas was was struggling to get going until they caught fire late. Um, but the Cowboys, I mean, they definitely have an opportunity to stun the Bulldogs. Uh, I mean, you got guys like Andrew Peasley at the helm and Harrison uh, Whaley. Those are all being some of the biggest threats on that offense, and that defense definitely has to shake things up. But I think it's definitely going to be a really tall order considering who they got. And next one we have is Oregon State versus California. So for Oregon State, lost a close game to Washington State, but then bounced back with the 27, uh, 21-7 victory over Utah um, and which is a huge win for them, a pivotal win for the Beavers in the Pac-12, um, and they've definitely been on one with their D. I mean, with their offense, and DJU has been playing really good so far. Um, and the defensive guys like uh, Easton Mascarinas, uh, Andrew Chatfield, and Joe Golden, those are all some of the some of the biggest guys on that defense that really makes a change when it comes to the Beavers and how they've been able to play games. And even though they've been caught in a few in a few games where they, where opponents have scored a little bit. Um, you know they're definitely going to try to shake things up with their schedule because they definitely have a really tall order and schedule uh, coming up later on this year. Um, and and for this next and final matchup, we have Arizona versus USC. And and what I was saying about uh, USC, man, I mean, good grief. So for the US, so for USC now the Trojans, they're one of the three Pac-12 teams right now that are in the top ten besides Oregon and Washington, who are currently ranked higher than them in the tro- like that are currently ranked higher than the Trojans. Um, so. So far, the Trojans necessarily haven't proved themselves as as a threat to really move into the top four spot in the CFP. Um, and even though they just they 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 just survived against Colorado, I'm not saying that Colorado really really you know was like going back and forth with them all game, but they really rallied late against USC. And with how with how Caleb Williams was able to throw for 403 yards, six TDs, and actually had a nine T his first all year. And also had Marshawn Lloyd ran for a TD in the offensive receivers, balled out Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, Mario Williams, all combining for four TDs. 
that defense of the Trojans was definitely put late to the test. I mean, you know, you, you can go back and watch how the, the secondary was struggling with how they were able to keep up with how Shador was able to was able to show up a little bit more of his consistency. And with the defensive overall from from guys like uh from guys like Mason Cobb, Christian Rollin Weiss, Jamil Muhammad, Dijon Benton, Romelo Height, and they really played a pivotal role in helping the Trojans escape this one. But in their first five games, I mean, they've given up at least they've like in in their first five games combined, they've given up 121 points so far, and and that has to be fixed because they just can't report, they just cannot rely on their offense to just carry the whole load and. And their defense can show a little bit of promise here and there, but the 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 thing is, they have to shape up if they're going to be going up against some of these high level offenses like Oregon and, and Washington, and maybe if they maybe if they play up against someone like you know Ohio State and Michigan, if they do move up to into the, into the top four, or even if they play up against like Texas, I'm just saying hypothetically, I just don't think that their defense is gonna. I think that the everyone in the top four. Um, Right now, I think their defense would hold up a whole lot better than I think anyone in the top four right now would probably hold hold a whole lot better than than a USC's defense in my opinion, um, and they definitely just need to make a state they need to make state win, uh, statement wins in their in their final six games. I mean, as of as of now, four of them are ranked in their all interconference opponents, and three of them as of as of now, like I said, are top ten. Um, and the Trojans have Notre Dame uh, next time out. They have Utah after that. Then, you know, skipping over California, they got Washington and Oregon. Um, and USC, they definitely can make their way into the top four. But, I mean, they they have to put up statement wins overall. Like, not only do they play well on offense, they have to play lights out on defense too. Um, and and one thing that you can also take as, like, a big, uh, a big, like, talking point as well is that, I mean, Oregon, I mean, Oregon slapped Colorado, dominated them. Um, and, and USC, the fact that USC kind of – kind of just struggled late and and just didn't really finish the way that they wanted to that just goes to show that you know that defense can really have a problem when it comes to the passing game and I think that Bo Nix is really going to expose that when they play um and for Arizona man I mean Arizona definitely has had an interesting start to their season and they nearly pulled off an upset over over Washington last week the Wildcats definitely have an opportunity to to try to rip up the Pac-12 title race and starts this week against number nine number nine USC um, but their offensive efficiency is a threat to that defense, as I've said. Like Arizona has, I mean, right now they put up at least twenty points a game, and they've really been a staple with their offensive in their offensive efforts. And USC has gotten better, but their defense is definitely the biggest point of concern. And Arizona's offensive efforts against against Washington is evident that they can try to repeat that against against USC. And Noah Fif, uh, Noah Fafita had two hundred thirty two yards and three TDs on on the offense and, and Arizona's defense, I mean, they cannot give Caleb a chance to get going to, to scramble or anything like that because you have guys like Tia uh Tia Aoli, uh Sevilla and also Taylor Upshaw. They have to get to Williams in in order to slow down the Trojans uh total offense. But anyways guys, thank you so much for listening. I know it was a little bit of a longer episode, but I had a lot of things to say and I'm and I thank you uh for those who listened. So I'll talk to you guys next time and I'm gonna be uploading another podcast about the Combat Sports Saturday slate, Green versus Dawson. So t- so stay tuned for that and I'll talk to you guys next time.